Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And uh, you've got Stuff You Should Know on guard. Yeah, touche. It means touch in French. I thought this was one of the funniest <laughs> openings of an article ever, by the way. Did you like it? I you... thought that very first part was hysterical when I read it. Well, you know what? It just so happens I don't have an intro for this one, so I think you might want to read it. Should we just read it? Yeah. <clears throat> Ed Grabanowski never lets us down. No, he's good. The Grabster. Yeah. Uh, this is how duels work. Ladies and gentlemen. Pistols at dawn. The challenge is issued. To turn it down would leave you marked as a coward for life. You meet at the chosen spot facing your opponent at a distance of 20 paces. Your dueling pistols are loaded. One or both of you could be severely wounded or killed today. Doctors are standing by to mend the damage if possible, while your friends eye each other warily. Why is this all happening? Because you made fun of his hat. (laughs) (laughs) So good. That is about right, too, as we find out in the rest of the article. Yeah, well done, Grabster. It's not much of an exaggeration. Apparently, throughout the history of people, or ever since we've had swords, at least, um, men have challenged other men to duels, and other people have died as the result. Yeah. You know? I thought this was a great article. Um, I thought so, too. This was definitely something I knew like virtually nothing about. Yeah, officially, me too. But I did find out that things like uh, Wild West dual shootouts. Yeah. Very, uh, very close to reality. Sure. They apparently happened to coincide at a time when dueling was very popular in America. And that's kind of all it was. It was the Old West version of Pistols at Dawn. And um, as an aside, probably the best dueling movie of all time. The Quick and the Dead? The Quick and the Dead. That's exactly right. If you have not seen that, pause. Pause this podcast. Get off your treadmill. Put your ice cream down. Whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Go watch The Quick and the Dead and then come back and resume this podcast. Yeah, you know what I always appreciate about that movie was that there were how many how many uh quick draw shootouts like 500. Let's say there were 10 in the movie. Let's say 500. Each one of them was di- different. He filmed them different, mm-hmm. it had a different feel yeah. like I just thought that was so creative like each one had its own little flavor. That's our Sam Raimi. He's so good, man. I love that movie. Um he's got something new coming out, doesn't he? Mr. Hollywood guy, come on, he's got something coming. Uh, he's not doing the new Spider-Man. What's, uh, I don't know. I, don't know. I think he might be working on another Evil Dead, like a modern remake uptake, or he might just be producing that. If he does that, that'll be the second time he's remade the Evil Dead. Because well, the yeah. Evil Dead 2 is a remake of the Evil Dead. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. All right. Um, so, Chuck, a, a duel, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, is basically a one-on-one battle, mm-hmm. as is evidenced by the etymology. And apparently we said entomology before. I, I don't know. that. I, I don't buy Like it. some 11-year-old kid called us out on that. I think he might have misheard us, because I definitely know the difference between etymology and entomology. Etymology. Mm-hmm. The etymology of the word duel is, um, I think, Latin, right? Uh, duello? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, duellum, which is a contraction of uh, duo, two, and bellum, war, obviously antebellum, pre-war. Oh, okay. I never realized that. Yeah. Huh. Okay. But duo, two, it's basically a war between two individuals is a duel. Yeah. Um, and it's been around for quite a long time. Um, I guess we should probably just get to the, get to the meat of it first. Let's, let's talk about duels and then we'll talk a little bit about the history. 
Yeah, let's just throw down the gauntlet. So somebody <laughs> does throw down the gauntlet, and a gauntlet is a glove. And when you threw yeah. down a gauntlet at the feet of somebody, that was at the height of dueling um, enough to issue a challenge saying, it's on. you and I are going to try to kill one another for well, a little bit. Or not necessarily. We'll get to that. Um, the, when you went to a duel, you had a second, which basically was the guy who came along, a friend, a trusted individual. It's your wingman. Uh, it was it was like the best man at your death. He was there to like help you yeah. prepare your firearms or your sword. Um, he was there to basically make sure you weren't ambushed. Yeah. Um, he was uh, supposedly a neutral third party, a second. Um, <laughs> supposedly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, supposedly we would try to talk talk it down and diffuse it. That was the first role of the second. But I don't know how much I buy that. And Ed even points out, like, more times than not, the second would actually fight the other second. Yeah. And sometimes there was third and fourth that would fight the other third and fourth. Right. And that's, I looked at this as, it's the same as, like, a bar fight today. There's always, usually, like, a friend nearby that's, you know, he's got your back. Right. But it's really between you and that jerk. But if things get out of hand, he, like, gets a beer bottle all of a sudden, then you get involved and his friend gets involved. Right. So it's sort of like that, I think. Yeah. Or if, that if he tries to get in the middle of the two things, he ends up like River Phoenix at the end of Stand By Me and takes a knife to the neck and dies in a bar. God, that was so sad. It was. Saddest ending. <clears throat> or River, River Phoenix's character, let's say. Since he really died, then that's we should point that out. He had a sad ending in real life as well. Yeah, big time. Um, so, Chuck, uh, when you declared duel, you could use any weapon... But for a very long time, basically all you had available to you was a heavy sword. Yes, and you had to use the same weapon. And depending on what code of dueling you were following, mm-hmm. the challenger or challengee would pick that weapon. Right. Um, and you mentioned dueling codes. There were several dueling codes, and the one that became uh, the most widespread was the dueling code of 1777, the Irish Code. Um, which is cited extensively in this article, and I believe you're prepared to give everyone a treat and read <laughs> some of the uh, the rules from the code. Yeah, the code duello uh, it replaced um, the flos uh, duellatorium, mm-hmm. which was in the 1400s. The il duelo in 1550. Apparently, the Germans had their own dueling code, which um, it was set by the. Uh, Fechtschulen, dueling schools. I imagine theirs was just because they were German. It was probably a little more hardcore. Sure. Although everything was pretty hardcore back then. It was, but if you look at the dueling codes, um, a lot of the rules appear to be set up so that you don't kill the other person. The whole point of a duel is not to kill the other person. It's to regain honor. Dueling is the result of an insult. When somebody insults you and you challenge them to a duel, you're seeking to say, I'm going to get my satisfaction from you. Basically, you punked me out in public, and that can't happen. That's another way to put it. Because I would be looked at as a coward, and that would be a a knock on my family's and my ancestors' honor even. Yeah. You had to protect the the honor of your ancestors backwards and forwards in in space or time uh, on either side of you. That's right. As I was saying, some of the uh, some of the rules are intended to prevent harm or injury. Like yeah. you see people like facing away from each other and sure. turning and firing. Yeah. 
that was designed so that when you're using a clumsy 17th century firearm, yeah, the chances of you hitting anybody but a, a bystander way off in the distance is pretty low. Yeah, from what I gathered after reading a handful of these rules is that the, the code duelo encouraged injury but not death. Yeah. What they didn't encourage was uh, purposefully uh, firing in the air, as sometimes happened when neither one of them really wanted to get hurt. They didn't really like that because that sort of takes all the the chutzpah out of the duel to begin with. You're very excited to read these rules, aren't you? You're jumping ahead a little bit? No, no, no. We're not there yet. Okay. Um, but one of the rules uh, was that the winner could pretty much do whatever they wanted. If, once you've won the duel, if let's say there's an injury, you could kill him if you wanted. Yeah. You could just humiliate him if you wanted. Mm-hmm. You could uh, be a good guy and say, you know what? I, my honor has been assuaged. It's great. So uh, give, let me give you a hand up, little buddy. And you were a good person for doing that. I would say so. Um, I could see you totally doing that, Chuck. I wouldn't. Have, I would have been the. There's no way I would have been dueling to begin with. You you could also cut the other person's head off after finishing them off, or maybe yeah. finish them off by cutting his head off and then posting it in a public place. Right. Um, I said also that the Irish code is very widespread, so much so. That uh, this to me is one of the facts of the podcast. Agreed. It was uh, reprinted in full as part of the Midshipman's Handbook of the U.S. Navy up until 1862 when yeah. the Navy outlawed or banned dueling among officers. But up until that time, it was like, hey, you're probably going to get in a duel at some point in time, and here's what the Navy says about that. And what the Navy sure. says is what the Irish say. <laughs> uh, women typically did not duel, and when they did... Uh, it says in the article here it was viewed on as an oddity and a strange, amusing spectacle, which... Like foxy boxing is today. Well, or the, it's kind of like the first cat fights. Yeah. Is well, that sexist? Totally. But okay. I mean, that's what they, that's apparently what they, they viewed duels among women as. It was an amusement for men because women are just so stupid, blah, 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 right? <laughs> except... Yeah. Except if you were dumb enough to make uh, uh, that kind of judgment about Lamo Pen. Yeah. You probably would have had your head cut clean off of your body. She was a genuine dueler, uh, swordswoman. And depending on who you talk to, uh, it's either her father who trained her or a, a lover who was a great fencer. Mm-hmm. And uh, however, I think she liked the ladies as well. Yeah. Because later in her life, after performing in bars and uh, dressed as a man, but not to like say, hey, I am a man. I think it was just like, hey, I'm more comfortable in these clothes. It's easier to move in these clothes. Exactly. Um, she uh, dug up the corpse of a dead nun, right. put it in a dorm room, set that room on fire to fake her own death so she could escape the convent with her female lover. Yeah. Lamo Pen. So she was a, a pretty uh, progressive rockin' chick back then. Yeah, she was pretty cool. Um, and that was after she retired from the opera. Early 1700s. Yeah. So, yeah. So she, uh, she was pretty cool. <laughs> No foxy boxing there. No. I, I don't even know what that is. I haven't seen that. It's exactly what it sounds like. All right. There it's, you have it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was kind of big in the, uh, I think the 80s, maybe the 70s, of like just women like boxing one another, but not really. And they're yeah. like, it's, it's incredibly sexist. There were a lot of fights at my school, my high school. I mean, not like a lot, like it was the roughest school, but it always struck me, even as a youngster, that like when guys would get in a fight... It was always horrific. Mm-hmm. And then when girls would get in a fight, the dudes would be sitting around laughing at it. 
I saw a girl fight in high school once that was really disturbing. It was more disturbing than any guy fight I've ever seen. Well, because girls fight dirty. Yeah. Both of these girls were fighting very dirty, and it was really horrible. Yeah. Um, one of the, I think, like, the assistant principal jumped in and got, like, smacked around and ended up backing off. Wow. Yeah, it was a bad fight. So there was nothing funny about that one? No, not at all. You and and, I, I mean, been... really, is there anything funny about anybody fighting? No, I don't think so. Unless you. it's like, uh, I don't know. Clowns? Like, yeah, clowns fighting. Yeah. That'd be funny. Clown fight, that's hilarious. <laughs> Unless one of them dies. That's right. Uh, Chuck, so we mentioned that seconds are in charge of issuing apologies. Yeah. And you can't just go over and say, um, hey man, guy's sorry, he'll never do it again, can he have his gauntlet back? That just doesn't work. There's standards. There's rules to issuing an apology. And uh, as I understand, you're prepared to explain the rule from the Code Duello <laughs> for issuing apology. I think even it's rule number one. Very first rule, as it should be. Let's hear it. The first offense requires the first apology, though the retort may have been more offensive than the insult. Example, A tells B he is impertinent, etc., B retorts that he lies, yet A must make the first apology because he gave the first offense, and then after one fire, B may explain away the retort by a subsequent apology. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so basically, no matter how bad the retort is from the first insult, yes, whoever insults the other person first has to apologize first. Right. Then they shoot at one another, and then the second person can apologize. Right. Um, you also have rules to whether or not or how a um, an apology can be accepted or if an apology, a verbal one, is even worth anything at all, what right. situation that is. Won't you? I point you to rule number five, Josh. As a blow is strictly prohibited under any circumstances among gentlemen, so no hitting, evidently. Yeah, no. Or if you do, that's it. It's yeah, gone. there's no going back. Yeah. Uh, no verbal apology can be received for such an insult. The alternatives, therefore, the offender handing a cane to the injured party to be used on his own back, mm -hmm. at the same time begging pardon, mm -hmm. firing on until one or both are disabled, or exchanging three shots and then asking pardon without proper of the cane. Right. So if you wanted apology after smacking someone in the face, um, but you didn't want the cane, you guys had to shoot at each other three times. Or I imagine maybe deal three blows with a uh, sword. Right. But by this time, 1777 firearms were all the rage for dueling. Sure, which we'll get to. Um, so you've got a duel. All the apologies have been uh, either not offered or rejected. Yeah. And it's time for the duel. It's uh, There's certain etiquette, right? Yeah. You mentioned um, that there's rules against not really doing this wholeheartedly. Like, if you're going to get into a duel, you have to do it wholeheartedly as as far as the uh, code duello um, is concerned. But this is also one of the more frequently broken rules because most people who are in duels didn't really want to die. And they probably didn't want to kill the other person either. Right. Because I imagine <clears throat> when you're in a duel with somebody and that's your reality at that moment, and it's not just some guys in powdered wigs out, you know, in an apple tree, and it's a wood engraving or wood carving. Right. But it's really what's going on in your world right then. Yeah. I'm sure you are acutely interested in not killing and not dying at that moment. Yeah, I would have plied them with alcohol. I would have been the guy being like, come on, man. 
You would have made a great second. Like, can we just have this ale here and talk it over and laugh about it? Yeah. Right? It's yeah. funny, right? Yeah, yeah. But they took it way more seriously than uh, I did. So uh, there's this rule that says, man, if you're going to get in a duel, you have to do it all the way. It's called Rule 13. No dumb shooting or fighting in the air is admissible in any case. <laughs> The challenger ought not to have challenged without receiving offense, and the challenged ought, if he gave offense, to have made an apology before he came on the ground. Therefore, children's play must be dishonorable on one side or the other and is accordingly prohibited. Very nice. Um, so you've got all these. We need Strickland, huh? No, 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 I think this is great. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> Jerry's loving it. So you, you've got this rule that says you, you do this all the way, but that's not necessarily how a lot of duels worked. Um, guys would agree ahead of time, like, hey, we're actually gonna do the duel, but we'll both shoot into the air. Yeah. Um, like, you don't wanna die, do you? I which, don't wanna die. Which, by the way, is what happened, is how Alexander Hamilton died at the hands of the treacherous Aaron Burr. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Well, uh, they were political rivals. They were both, um, they they were in a law firm together, and that's where they first learned to hate one another. And then they were in a very small country at the time. They were very big fish in the same small pond. Yeah. Um, and uh, things got out of hand, and I can't remember who challenged who to a duel. Do you? Uh, yes. It was uh, a series of insults. And this was at a time where the uh, losing uh, presidential candidate would become vice president. Yeah, yeah. Which, could you imagine that these days? Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome, kind of. I think it'd be nice. It would, it would temper things. Well, it would. I guess it was for balance of power. Sure. I don't know if it would work. Or it was a consolation prize. That's true. Uh, so they uh, disliked each other. There were a bunch of insults, and Burr challenged Hamilton uh, in Weehawken, New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, there are varying accounts um, on what happened, but what we do know that happened: Hamilton got shot. Burr didn't. Whether or not Hamilton fired in the air is a good guy. That's what I heard. Or got hit and was like, ooh, and fired up in the air. Never. It's debatable. Alexander Hamilton was a crack shot. He had great timing. <laughs> he had cat-like reflexes. Aaron Burr shot Hamilton. Hamilton fired in the air. Aaron Burr was actually, uh, I think, arrested for murder, wasn't he? He was charged with murder and uh, basically acquitted in the end. But... um this is a time when it was like kind of on the outs. They were beginning to outlaw dueling anyway, and it ruined his career. Basically, it ruined his political career from that point. Yeah, people were like, Dude. Who's, a, "Who's on the 20? Uh, and by twenty, of course, I mean who's on the ten? Yeah, the ten dollar bill. Jackson's on the twenty. But Alexander Hamilton's on the ten. Stop emailing. You got nothing but twenties though in your role, so that's why I you... can't even tell you who's on the ten. Yeah, man. and do they even make dollar bills? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so Chuck, let's get to seconds. Which again, I want to say that. Um, Oh, oh, I got ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. Um, also, you should never duel at night. The only time when you can legitimately hold a duel at night, meaning that the same night of the offense, um, was when the person was going to be leaving town before yeah. daybreak. No need to even read that one. That speaks for itself. And that makes good sense. Basically, their cooler heads prevail generally the next day, uh, which is a great rule in marriage. In life, yeah, I'm always a big fan of sleep on it. Why don't we sleep on it? Yep, you're absolutely right, buddy. And uh, but sometimes the wife will still wake up just as angry the next day. It happens, but most times the worst is waking up in the middle of the night angry. Yeah, that's pretty bad when the rage is seething. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Chuck, do you want to talk about seconds? 
Yes. Uh, seconds, uh, they had very specific rules for the role of the second. Um, they had to uh, take care of the guns in the same way and load in the presence of one another. I can't shake the feeling that we're both in trouble. I know. <laughs> um, they would have to, uh, like I said, load the guns together and in front of each other. And uh, the the gun was already agreed upon. Um, they have a smooth a smooth bore. Yeah, and I think the rifle bore would would be a more accurate longer distance shot. So they said we can't use that. Yeah, it's like shot putting a football or throwing it in a tight spiral. Which one's going to get further with more accuracy? Exactly, that makes sense. But yeah, so you want to load in the presence of one another. Yeah, saying look, see the bore, uh-huh. smooth, and we're doing it right here so everyone can see it. Third sports, everyone pay attention. And we also mentioned how they are bound to offer or to try to get an apology uh, generated to avoid a duel. They're supposed to, according to the code. Yeah. Uh, And then rule 25, if if they can't come to any kind of uh, resolution and the seconds clearly are eyeballing one another like, oh, dude, you're going down too. It's on between us. They had rules for that as well, like rule 25. Uh, where seconds disagree and resolve to exchange shots themselves, it must be at the same time and at right angles with their principles. I don't get the right angles thing. How is that physically possible? I don't know. I took that to mean they shoot from the same angle. That would be parallel, not right angle. Well, I don't think it meant right angle in the geometric sense. I think it meant the correct angle as in the same angle. Maybe I'm wrong. You think it meant like geometry? I think the the authors had put in a full day by the time they got to this rule. Or maybe at right angles, it meant if these two are shooting here, then they have to shoot there, so they don't. There's no crossfire coming at them. Okay. Yeah. That makes so sense. they make a square. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. Um, and then, how do you know when a duel's over, especially when it doesn't necessarily result in the decapitation of one? When you cut somebody's head off and post it on a pike in the town square, the duel's over. <laughs> it's over. But there's also um, more nuanced endings possible, right? Uh, rule number five. If swords are used, Mr. Trebek, the parties engage until one is well-bloodied, disabled, or disarmed, or until after receiving a wound and blood being drawn, the aggressor begs pardon. Right. Unless the uh, unless the person who's disabled insists that it's only a flesh wound, <laughs> right? He does have a. Uh, did you notice his his Monty Python reference in here? No, huh? that's not, definitely not the only article with a Monty Python reference from him. What, what is it? Uh, well, later on, he's talking about how nobles weren't allowed to work and they uh, made money off of rent from their huge tracts of land. Mm-hmm. That's from Monty Python. I don't remember that part. You don't remember that? Mm-mm. She's got huge tracts of land. I don't remember. Yeah, that's a good part. Good for you for noticing that one. Sure. Well, the grabster, he's always sneaking them in. Um, and uh, also, any wound sufficient to agitate the nerves. Yeah, or make the handshake. Must end the business of the day. I mean, that would be... That's kind of a loose, if you ask me. Yeah, but that does mean that the, the duel is over. So that's uh, if you if you want to know more, if you want to know all the rules... You can get your hands on a pre-1862 U.S. Navy Midshipman's Handbook. Yeah. Apparently, PBS has all of them as well on a frontline site. We don't. I'm sorry. Um, but, Chuck, dueling was, for a very long time, the pursuit of nobles, right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, it was used to differentiate nobles from common 
people, like uh, in a lot of medieval Europe, European countries, um, commoners weren't allowed to duel. It was out. It was illegal. Yeah, and before guns, they, a lot of commoners couldn't even afford swords because swords are expensive to make, and even more expensive than firearms once they came around. So a lot of them couldn't duel in the traditional sense. Although, the grabster points out that there were plenty of duel-like circumstances among commoners too. Right. It was probably just the bar fight. You just can't let the local fuzz find out what you're doing. Yes. And noblemen were expected to duel. Right. And the whole point of dueling was the protection of honor. And honor as a concept, as the grabster points out, is is not what we think of it today. I didn't know this. Um, honor is basically like if you are rich, if you have a title, if you are a member of an important family, you have honor automatically. It's attached to you. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you were a good upstanding guy. It just <laughs> means like this is your station in life. You were, you're blessed basically by being born rich and white. Exactly. It's like the 1%. Um, and you have honor and it's fragile extremely at all times. Uh, it's prone to be insulted at the drop of a hat, at the drop of a glove, especially. Very nice. But even the drop of a hat. Um, and not only is your honor at stake, but the honor of your family for generations forward, generations backward, and any schmo of noble rank. Yeah. Um, I imagine if a commoner came up and insulted your family, you'd just cut their head off right there. There's no duel. It's just death for the commoner, right? Yeah. But if another person of nobility uh, comes up and insults your family honor, then you say, it's on. I, I challenge you to a duel. At this point, and you've mentioned cowardice already. Yeah. But at this point, the other person has a choice, a very... Socially speaking, they don't really have a choice, but yeah. they do have a choice. Sure. They can either accept the duel or they can be a coward. And on in the same vein, the person whose honor is insulted has a choice. They can either issue a challenge to a duel yeah. or they can let it slide. Either way, if you let it slide or you shirk a duel, you're a coward. And that was a big deal back then. Yeah, it wasn't just like, you know, Jimmy's a sissy because he wouldn't fight me at school. It right. was your... Which haunts you for the rest of your life, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's true. But your family was, was insulted. You could lose your honor. Like, they would take it away legally sometimes. Um, they could uh, publish an account of it to the church. Who And you know in the church, they're going to tell everybody that yeah. you're a coward. Church, uh, church it was not an abstract thing. Uh, kings who would not uphold uh, their honor could lose their noble ranking. They would just take it away. And you could actually be punished and excommunicated and your voting rights revoked for cowardice. Yep. Serious stuff back then. You could also be imprisoned. And killed. And just, it's just generally bad things. Fed to dragons, probably. I don't know if you could be killed. I just, I just said that. Well, if a dragon's eating you, you wish someone would kill you. Good point. Um, so I, I think probably the whole, this whole code, this whole dueling code is, and how refined it became was out of the frequency of dueling, right? Yeah. Uh, apparently, like you said, the, these people, um, sat around with their huge tracts of land. Well, they couldn't work. No, they, like you, couldn't work. If you wanted to work, you couldn't if you were of no, noble blood. Yeah, I mean, you literally could not hold a job, even if if you're like, if you found you were really good at something. But I really like blacksmithing, making yes. these, these shoes, these horseshoes. You're a nobleman, you have to make your money off of rent. So, the end result of that is, after a lot of sitting around and uh, fox hunting mm-hmm. and mead drinking, you mm-hmm. get a little bored. 
And so dueling kind of became a sport for bored noblemen. Yeah. These young guys that were like, well, got nothing better to do, so let me go down to the pub and uh, throw down the gauntlet on someone or just be really easily irritable to where anything that happens to me, you bump me in the bar and like, all right, it's on. Or you looked at my lady. That was a big one. Yeah. Um, the other aspect of it wasn't just boredom. It was also that you were the better person. Yeah. In a field where, you know, there is a definite set hierarchy. Earls are equal to earls and dukes equal to dukes and viscounts equal to viscounts, yeah. right? Um, viceroys equal to viceroys, that whole kind of thing. I could continue. Please do. I don't, I can't continue. <laughs> you called my bluff. Um, but this is a way to differentiate yourself among your rank. Yeah. By saying, I, I challenge you to duel and I won. And the reason that differentiates me is not only am I the winner, but that means that God favors me. Yeah. And apparently that that was used, that was the predecessor to the legal systems we had today. Well, yeah, let's, let's get to this. This is the commoners, uh, would duel early on in the 11th and 12th centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have trial by combat sometimes. It was like dunking a witch. Like if the witch floated, she was a witch and then she got burned at the stake. If she drowned, then right. she wasn't really a witch and she was pure of heart. So if you win the duel, then you're in fact innocent of your crime. Yes, because God favored the winner of the duel. And more importantly, the guy who accused you is now dead. So you must be innocent. Although you may also fight a court appointed Really? Professional duelist. That's awesome. And I can't imagine beating that guy. Yeah, who would that, what was the, uh, what was the guy in the, uh, Max, Mad Max 3? Master Blaster? Yeah, Master Blaster. You would fight Master Blaster. Yeah. You killed him. Boy, what a reveal that was when they took off his mask. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Uh, a lot of times if you were good at dueling, you would just use it to get out of stuff. Like, hey, I don't want to pay this bill. So let's duel about it, and that'll settle it. And yeah. I know I'm really good with the sword, so you don't stand a chance. Yeah, exactly. It's all over. Not just um, debts, but also like if you had a political rival, um, that later became really big in Missouri. Yes. Um, if you wanted somebody's land, anything, anybody who, who had something you wanted or who you owed something to, you could just challenge them to a duel, kill them, and their problem solved. This is one of the reasons why I think that noble classes were eventually removed from the face of the earth. <laughs> well, you mentioned Missouri. Between 1816 and 1824, the uh, the uh, elect territorial elections became so fraught with dueling to get rid of your rival that um, the first governor of California, Peter Burnett, said, Peter Berg? No, Peter Burnett, <laughs> said it became desirable to kill off certain aspirants to get them out of the way. So in Missouri, you would just you know kill the dude. Yeah, before election day, and you're all set. Yeah, can you imagine like Newt Gingrich and Mitt Romney dueling one another? No, because no, I couldn't. Um, so you've got dueling evolving from early legal, uh, an early legal system, sure, to the bored noble classes, mm-hmm. to the elimination of political rivals, mm-hmm. um, and. It, it comes from even further back than that, though. Like the, the duel, the idea of one person battling another person mm-hmm. in some sort of combat. In a formal, rule-driven 
way. I, Grabster goes back to jousting competitions in the Middle Ages. I think you can go back to gladiatorial combat. Sure. Further back than that. But um, in Europe, in uh, Western Europe, Northwestern Europe, it came from jousting, right? Yeah, and it makes sense to me. Uh, like you said, the joust is pretty much a duel on horseback. And then you had the chivalric code, which sort of lines up with the code of the duel. And also, you skipped right past what, to me, is one of the facts of the podcast. Oh, no, I didn't. That was coming. But go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. Well, when knights, uh, only uh, noble noblemen were allowed to be knights and to uh, joust against one another. So they would uh, raise their visor at the beginning to mm-hmm. say, hey, look at me. I'm not descending along my assistant, who's a lot better at this than I am. As Heath Ledger did. As Heath Ledger did. Mm-hmm. What What was that, First Night? Yeah, that was a good movie. That was all right. Uh, so they would reveal their identities, and that, Josh, as you know, was uh, evolved into the military salute years later. Yeah, the lift of the visor. Evolved into the, the hand, I guess. Yeah, pretty cool. Very cool. Um, eventually, though, firearms came around. Sure. And they found that, yeah, these incredibly heavy suits of armor that can protect you even from a joust, generally, um, are no match for this musket. The smooth board musket with terrible yeah. aim and accuracy. Which if covered. it hits you, it'll kill you. Yeah. In our night's podcast, that was kind of the end of the night. Exactly. It was also, the, what, the end of uh, Samurai? Did uh, it have to do with the demise so. of Samurai as well? Yeah. Guns it's ruined tough. everything. Yeah. Well, it changed everything for the worse. <laughs> um, and then uh, you have, uh, as a result, the no no more need for a heavy sword. Right. Because there's no need for armor, or armor doesn't work, no heavy swords, which led to an evolution in sword making. And you have, at least in Europe, I think Japan already had far lighter, more uh, better swords. Right. But um, in the West, the evolution of swords led to the sport of fencing as a direct result of dueling and the loss of armor. And it became more contest, especially Mm. after the Italians said... I don't want to die. Let's uh, put a little uh, put a little rubber tip on the end of that thing. <laughs> My sister was in fencing really? in college. Yeah, interesting. My oldest sister. I've always uh, I've always wanted to try that. Well, I think you should go to town. You can take classes, right? Totally. I think it's a kind of expensive startup. Oh, sure. Like the whole get up and, and the a decent sword and all that, but a foil, as, as if in the vernacular. But I, I'm, I'm sure once you got all that stuff, you're fine. Yeah, that would end up being like my venture into ice hockey, though. <laughs> I would just end up having a closet full of gear. That really? never gets used. I didn't know you were into hockey. I was at one point. When? Uh, mid-20s. Oh, okay. So I learned old how to, gear, huh? Yeah, I learned how to ice skate pretty well. And then me and all my friends got hockey gear, and we were like, hey, let's play. Nice. And uh, that was pretty much where it ended. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Pistols, though, Josh. When did you get into pistols? Well, no, no, no. I didn't get into pistols ever. But um, when pistols came along, uh, basically it leveled the playing field because pistols were actually cheaper than swords and cheaper than getting trained in fencing. Yeah. You could just practice shooting, you know, Coke cans in the backyard. (laughs) So uh, all of a sudden it democratized it. It was no longer the sport of noblemen because anyone could do it. Right. And this is a time when um, the word cocktail was invented to describe the strong drink you had in the morning, like an old-fashioned. Um, so America was super drunk, so dueling <laughs> seemed like a really good idea, and it took off as a sport. Well, not as a sport, but basically as a as a socially accepted pastime, because America doesn't have kings or dukes or anything, and 
there were a lot of guns at the time, and everybody started shooting one another in duels. Well, which is one of the big reasons dueling began to die. Uh, I thought, and Ed pointed out that I was wrong, I thought it may be because people called for the end of it and said, you know, this is wrong, we shouldn't be doing this. But since dueling began, the church and other legal bodies had said, we don't like this because it takes the... Uh, it kind of cripples the legal system because you're taking it to your own hands, and mm-hmm. the church didn't like it. They were like, we want to judge these people on their <laughs> crimes. And it also kind of violates one of the big, bigger commandments. Absolutely. Forget about the uh, Crusades for that one, but sure. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, military leaders didn't like it because it was killing off able, young-bodied men. Yeah. And then later on, uh, war itself, like the Civil War and the First World War, mm-hmm. Really, we're like, hey, there's more serious things going on. People really die in battle. Like, it sort of became a bit of fool's uh, undertaking, well, from what it, I understand. I, I think it also hit home, too. The horrors of combat made people not want to kill one another as much. Yeah, like real deal combat. Yeah, and the Civil War and the First World War, like you said, were linked to declines in the U.S. and Europe, respectively, of dueling. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is... I guess also one of the other reasons dueling declined was because when it was exposed to the middle classes, it wasn't just super rich people killing each other anymore. Which was the original purpose. Which is why the lower class were like, who cares? Yeah. Dueling's fine. Go, that's fine. We're doing our own thing. And then once it, like you said, democratized and spread to the middle and lower classes, it became a problem. And then eventually it was, we were left with dueling banjos, and that was about as serious as it got. I think that that is an excellent way to end this podcast, too. Great. You got, you can't, I'm not even going to ask if you have anything more. If you want to learn more about dueling and you want to see some of these cool rules, you can type duel into the search bar at howstuffworks.com. Yeah? Yeah. And I said search bar, which means it's time for listener mail. Whoa. I'm going to say whoa from now on, apparently. Okay. Uh, Chuck, before we do listener mail, we should announce our Big South by Southwest extravaganza. Two days. Two days in March, we'll call it. Okay. March 11th, we will be live podcasting, and this is for South by Southwest attendees and badge holders only, unfortunately. Uh, Driscoll Hotel, Maximilian Room, 3.30 p.m., live podcast. Done. Done. What's happening the next day? The next day, uh, from 5 to 9 at Fado Irish Pub at 214 West 4th Street in Austin, uh, we are going to be having a Stuff You Should Know variety show. It's open to the public. You don't have to be a badge holder. It's nope. free. No yeah. cover. And, as a matter of fact, if you're one of the first hundred people through the door, you get a free ticket for a free drink. That's right. Yeah. Um, and this is going to feature the likes of Hodgman. Eugene Merman's going to do some stand-up for us. Awesome. The musical stylings of Lucy uh, Wainwright Roach, yeah. who plays Jerry in our TV pilot, <laughs> so which we're going to premiere. Um, and uh, let's see, Crooks, local Austin band, and then the Henry Clay people are going to play some music as well. And again, we're going to be showing clips from our TV pilot that's going to air on Science Channel, and this is the public debut. That's right. Yeah. So if you are in the, just let's just say the West, from Texas to California... <laughs> Or actually, you could go from the east. Just make a point to be there. That's all I'm saying. You can crash on my floor. Actually, you can't, but you can crash in your van. There you go. All right, back to it. Okay. Yeah, Josh, this is a shout-out. Remember uh, Joanne uh, Stanalonis, who nominated us to get nominated for a Grammy Award? Yeah, we were uh, 
Grammy nominated, nominated. Right. We didn't make it because we're not a celebrity reading our autobiography, which is the only people who get nominated for spoken word album. We're not Bill Cosby. Um, but Joanne is the founder and CEO of the Amazon Institute, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And, and she's doing a lot of great work to help preserve the Amazon. Yeah. Uh, it is AmazonInstitute.com. And they're having a little contest where you can win two round-trip tickets to Bogota, Colombia. Awesome. And this is how you do it. You go to AmazonInstitute.com. Any listener who wants to can participate by clicking Our Projects in the navigation bar. And basically what you do is create a page on Razoo.com to fundraise for them. And between now and the end of June, June 29th at midnight Eastern, uh, the page with the most funds gets to choose between two round-trip flights to Bogota or one ticket to travel with her as your guide. Sweet. Um, And it just covers airfare, but she says they'll hook you up with all the information and cheap places to stay. And um, flights depart. Uh, you got to be over 18. Flights depart from New York, <laughs> yes. D.C., Fort Lauderdale, Miami. I guess only. Okay. Because there are limitations. And, and you uh, can always get a connection to one of those cities. Sure. And uh, travel dates are August through December of this year. Tickets provided by Avianca Airlines. And uh, they use Razoo because it's very transparent. You can see where all the money's going. Very cool. So, uh, Joanne, thank you for your uh, participation with our show. Yeah, we appreciate that. And with the Amazon Institute. Mm-hmm. And uh, go out and win tickets to Columbia, people. Give them the, uh, give them the website again. Uh, it is AmazonInstitute.com, and you create a page to help them raise money on Razoo. What's the tab that you click? Uh, our projects. Awesome. And you could win a trip. Well, as always, Chuck, remember we put out the word for... Um, NGOs and nonprofits sure. who need a good plug. We're always looking for those. Yeah. Um, yeah. We want to hear about them. Indeed. Send them to us. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. That's our Twitter handle. Um, you can also reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash And you can send us a nice lengthy email at stuffpodcast at discovery.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?